a little over four years ago, I enrolled in ADHD Rewired's coaching and accountability groups. It's an intensive 10-week-long program, but it was a life-changing experience. By the time I finished my 10-week coaching session, I had gotten so much out of the program that I decided to sign up to help as a peer mentor. And I did that several more times after that as well. I have no doubt that I would have ever started this podcast had I not gone through these groups and the ongoing support I get from the ADHD Rewired community. These groups are intensive, but I had reached a point where I knew something had to change in my life if I wanted to keep moving forward. Listening to this podcast is a great start for helping your ADHD, but to get the changes you want to see, you have to put in the work. I know for me, often I found that while I was willing to put in the work, I was choosing to do it in the hardest way possible. These groups help give you direction and make those steps a little bit easier. So if you're looking to grow and you're ready to add coaching, accountability, and community into how you hack your ADHD, I want to encourage you to check out ADHD Rewired's coaching and accountability groups. It's a 10-week program. They meet three times a week in small groups of 12, and then you'll also be meeting twice a week with your four-person accountability team. As well, you'll also check in with your accountability team a few times a day over chat. And now they're even offering evening groups, which absolutely wasn't a thing when I went through them. There's a bunch more information at their website, coachingrewired.com. You'll want to add your name to the interest list. These groups fill up every season, so if this sounds like something you might want to do, go ahead and go to coachingrewired.com. Registration for their fall season is going on now. They do have a pretty thorough registration process, and that's by design, so you do have to go through all that. And so make sure to add your name to the interest list at coachingrewired.com for the fall session, which is going on through September 29th and 30th through December 8th and 9th. That website again is coachingrewired.com. That's coachingrewired.com. Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. We're going to be continuing our series on energy management today with an episode focusing on mental energy. I know I'm ready to start moving things with my brain. Oh wait, that's a different kind of mental energy. Sorry to say, I'm not going to be covering anything on psionics in this episode, but we are still going to be focused on your brain. Today, we're going to be looking at ways that we can work on cutting down distractions and staying focused. We'll also be looking at ways that we can better schedule our time to focus on when our brain is going to be working best, and we'll also be looking at better ways to end our workday. If you'd like to follow along on the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com slash mental energy. Hey team, I just wanted to let you all know that I'm taking some time off to think about the direction that I want to take Hacking Your ADHD into the future. We're coming up on the three-year mark of the show, and I can't really believe the time has gone by this fast and the show's gotten this big. And I want to keep creating something that you're going to enjoy and that I enjoy making, so I want to make sure there's some intentionality behind my future content. And with that in mind, I also want your input on what would make the show even better for you. I've been playing around with some different ways of doing episodes recently, and I wanted to know what's working and what isn't. I've set up a survey for y'all so you can let me know what you think. So if you want some input on how this show goes in the future please head over to hackingyouradhd.com slash survey and fill it out. I know everyone listening has ADHD, so I definitely made it short. That link again is hackingyouradhd.com slash survey. 
Thanks so much, and I appreciate each and every one of you. All right, keep on listening to find out what you need to focus on so that you can focus on focusing better. Let's start off by discussing what mental energy actually is. And we can think of mental energy as our ability and willingness to engage in cognitive work, which is just a fancy way of talking about work where we're not doing the physical labor side of things. So anything where we're thinking, so writing, working with numbers, talking with clients, you know, things where you have to use your brain. And so this is about our ability to focus and stay focused. And it's a lot about our executive functions. And it's also important to think about mental energy in this sense, because the brain is really a resource hog. It uses more energy than any other organ in the body, and it drains about 20% of the fuel we have available. So all that stuff we're doing on the physical energy side of things is really working to power our brains. And one thing I want to do here, too, is make sure that we're differentiating this from emotional energy and understanding it's not about mood and emotional state. We'll be getting into that in a few weeks. All right, with that in mind, now let's start thinking about how we can stay focused. The easiest thing that we can do is to not multitask, because multitasking is literally the opposite of staying focused on one thing. And I've talked about the dangers of multitasking before, because it seems like such a good idea. We're going to do two things at once. But in reality, we get less done than when we're single-tasking. And what we really want to think about doing here is limiting the amount of times we task switch. And that's just going from one task to another and coming back. In one study, they found that task switching increased the amount of time it took to complete a task by as much as 25%. That means if something normally took you an hour, it would take you 75 minutes. And I don't know about you, but I don't have that kind of time to spare in all of the tasks I'm doing throughout the day. And it's not just multitasking that causes us to task switch. A lot of the times, it's because we're not limiting our distractions. So when we're sitting down to work, we want to make sure that we can focus on working. This means we should be turning off our notifications. It means that we're not checking our email or Slack or social media. These are all things that are going to take our focus away from the things that we actually want to be doing. And then we also have our environmental distractions in our workplace. If you look down at your desk, are there distractions there? I know I tend to let stuff pile up on my desk, and that usually means that I have things that I see and go, oh, I should be doing this, and oh, I should be doing that. That's not a good reminder system. That's just a distraction-heavy to-do list. Another factor in limiting your environmental distractions should also be things like wearing headphones and setting the expectation that you shouldn't be interrupted. And that can take some time doing, but it's a huge advantage when you know you don't have the potential to be interrupted while working. During the time that I've been working at home during the pandemic, I've found that Just knowing that my kids might pop into my office at any time really reduces my ability to stay focused on one task, even when they don't actually interrupt me, because my mind is mentally preparing itself to task switch at any minute, so it's not letting me fully engage in what I'm doing. And that's the crux of our mental energy, being able to stay focused and fully engage on what we want to. The other aspect of staying focused on what we want to do is making sure that we're scheduling ourselves with smarter time blocks. Earlier in the series, I've been talking about our ultradian rhythms, which are those rhythms that help to account for the ebb and flow of our energy throughout the day. And during those rhythms, we can measure things like heart rate, muscle tension, brainwave activity, and alertness, and we can see that increasing during the first part of the cycle. But as the cycle ends, we begin to see our body craving that period of rest and recovery. And these cycles last about 90 to 120 minutes. It's going to vary a lot on how much energy you're starting the task with, how difficult the task you're doing is, and if you've been taking breaks throughout the day. So what we can do is we can take our time blocks and work on scheduling them to be these 90 to 120 minute sessions where we do our focused work. And within those periods, we can break those up using 30 minute Pomodoro sessions 
where we're working for 25 minutes of focus and then having a five-minute break. Then when we hit the end of that time block, we can go into a much longer break that lasts between 20 and 30 minutes, and then our goal there is to really just let our brains turn off. Then with these ultradian work cycles, we can also work on making sure that we're scheduling our most important stuff for early on in the day. When we schedule those most important tasks for early in the day, we're more likely to be able to complete what we want to, because often we have more control over our schedule early in the day. As things come up throughout the day, our schedules get more and more full, and we find that we need to make compromises on what we want to do. And so this means that we want to get those important things done first, because then we can't compromise on them. After we get those most important things done, we can do whatever else comes up, because we've already done the important stuff. And so when we're doing those most important things, we have a couple of options of how we want to approach that. And the big ones are eating the frog versus easing into things. The idea of eating the frog came from a Mark Twain quote where he says, If it's your job to eat a frog, it's best to do it first thing in the morning. And if it's your job to eat two frogs, it's best to eat the biggest one first. And the idea here is that by eating the frog, you're doing the tasks that you'd otherwise procrastinate on doing all day. And for me, these are often things like sending important emails or making phone calls, things where I'm unsure about the outcome and have to push myself outside my comfort zone. And by doing these most dreaded tasks first, we make the rest of our day downhill. Everything else is easier because everything else on our to-do list should be easier than the hardest task on our to-do list. It just makes sense. Now, our other option for this is that we can ease into our day more because sometimes the block from us getting started is that we're just staring at that frog and we don't know how to get started because we just don't know how to fit that frog into our mouth. And so we can ease into things by doing smaller things that we need to do and building momentum to go big. And what I actually like to do often is try and combine this system so that I'm finding ways to ease into eating the frog, finding those small parts of the dreaded task, doing those first so that I can build momentum into actually doing that task. And so for me, this means doing all the prep work beforehand so that when I sit down to eat the frog, it's just that much easier to do. And so the trick here is just finding the system that works best for you and making sure that the system you're using isn't going to derail you. If your small task for easing yourself into thing is checking email, but every time you check your email, you have something come up, then checking email shouldn't be part of your easing into things routine. Or if you find trying to eat the frog just makes you procrastinate all morning, then maybe that's not the right system either. It's about finding the system that actually helps you work with your brain. So we all know that starting is the hardest part. Except after we start, stopping can be the hardest part. I know when I'm excited about a project, I don't want to quit. When I get a roll on things, the last thing I want to do is call it quits for the day just because the clock says it's the end of my day. And this is a problem because I'll find myself at home when I'm supposed to be relaxing and recovering, trying to find ways to sneak in more work. And this is just not an ideal way to work on things. It lets us procrastinate a lot more because we theoretically have an infinite amount of time before we actually are going to stop working. And that screws up our ability to properly manage our time on these projects. Then when we don't have a time when we're off, we don't actually have time when we're really resting and recovering. Because if we're working when we're supposed to be resting, that means we're not actually giving ourselves time to get that rest. So how do we stop ourselves from working at home? Well, an idea that I found from Cal Newport in his book Deep Work is having an end-of-day shutdown routine. And this is an idea where we create an actual routine that we do at the end of our workday to signal that we are done. And the importance of having a routine like this is often we don't have a clear end to our day, so we don't ever really transition out of work mode. So here's a basic rundown of Cal Newport's shutdown routine. One, update all your to-do lists. Two, look over your to-do list and calendar and reprioritize as necessary. 
3. Write down a plan for the next day. 4. Close everything on your computer. 5. Say a magic phrase like shut down complete or I'm out of here. And yes, that last step is real. And I'm sure many of you are asking, well, do I really need to do all this? Let's think about this for a minute. First step is to update all our to-do lists. This allows us to write down any of those nagging tasks that we didn't finish for the day and know that we're not going to forget them tomorrow. I also like using this as an opportunity to write down some breadcrumbs of where I finished up working today so I have a good mental picture when I start up again tomorrow of where I was at mentally. Next, we're looking over the rest of our to-do list and calendars and reprioritizing. And this is just as important because, hey, we wrote those things down on our to-do list because we do forget things, and when we go into our next step of making our plan for tomorrow, we want to make sure that we're not forgetting about any of those important to-dos or calendar events. And making this plan for the next day also allows us to come back and hit one of those other important mental energy ideas, which is making sure you're doing your most important thing at the beginning of the day. When you start your day already knowing what your most important task is, it makes it so much easier to actually complete that task. All right, and then we have this final part of our shutdown routine, which is closing everything on our computer and saying our shutdown phrase. And so the idea here is that when we're leaving work open on our computer or leaving things on our desk to do, we're leaving easy work to come back to that signals our brain that we're not really done with it. So we really do want to close everything out. And while it might seem like a waste of time to close everything down because you just have to open it back up again tomorrow, having that clear and concrete cutoff time really helps signal to your brain that you're done for the day. And that's the same thing that happens with our shutdown phrase. It's part of the ritual that really signals, okay, we're done, we finished. And do you have to say the phrase? No. Is it fun? Absolutely. And you can have all sorts of fun with it. Do your shutdown complete when a robot voice, shutdown complete. Whatever ends your day with a little bit more fun, I think is a positive. And a great thing about having a shutdown routine like this is it allows us to create artificial deadlines in our day. If I know I only get to work a certain number of hours, I'm a lot more motivated to actually work during my work hours. Because if I think I can sneak my work at home, well, then I'm probably going to try and sneak my work at home. And once we've signaled that we're done with work for the day, it makes it so much easier to let our brains rest and recover once we get home. And we can actually focus on the things that we wanted to be doing when we're at home instead of just doing more work. That's it. Thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. Before you go, though, let's do a quick rundown of today's top tips. 1. Mental energy is about our ability to focus and keep our focus. To effectively do this, we need to stop trying to multitask and reduce the number of distractions we have around us. This means limiting notifications and creating a work environment where we won't easily be interrupted. 2. We can create smarter time blocks by using our ultradian rhythms to guide us. Breaking our schedules into these 90 to 120 minute cycles allows us to focus on working when we've got the most energy and taking breaks when we're going to need them the most. 3. Schedule your most important tasks for early in the day. By completing what's most important first, you'll never find yourself at the end of the day having missed those tasks. You can decide if it's best to eat the frog with this task or ease into it. 4. End your workday with a shutdown routine to signal to your brain that you are really done with work. By only working while you're at work, you'll make better use of your time and you'll allow yourself real time to relax and recover while you're at home. That's it. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. You can reach me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HackingYourADHD. Or you can connect with me over at HackingYourADHD.com slash contact. And be sure to check out the show notes page at HackingYourADHD.com slash mental energy. If you're this far into the end of the show, you might also be interested in the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. For in-depth interviews with fellow ADHDers and ADHD experts, 
Check out ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers. If you're a parent with ADHD or have a child with ADHD, definitely check out Brendan Mahan's show, ADHD Essentials. I also do a live Q&A with Eric and Brendan every second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to register for the next one, just go to ADHDrewired.com slash events. And now for your moment of dad. What's a pirate's favorite letter? R. I. you'd think so but it tis the sea.